This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, a very good morning. Uh, we've just heard some terrible, terrible news. We have, unfortunately, it's been a very bloody day um, in Gaza yesterday. Um, before we get on to the bad news, Howard, I'd like to start, if I may, with a slightly more uplifting mm, story please. away from the war zone. And let's talk about um, the Israeli chess championships that are due to take place in Accor this week. And one of the fascinating stories about the Israeli chess championships is the participation of a nine-year-old child to compete in the senior chess championships. He is uh, a young boy by the name of Israel Cohen, Israel Cohen. Interestingly, he was born to a Filipino mother and an Israeli father. He's lived abroad, recently returned to Israel, and he aims to become Israel's youngest chess champion. And he is amazing, as apparently something of a chess prodigy. Um, he's a, a participant in some gifted programs um, run by the Israel Chess Association. And he will be competing in the Israel Senior Chess Championships this week. And he's being given a reasonable chance of doing well. It's not as if, though, this is such a long shot. Um, Apparently, his father um, is a very accomplished chess player. And it was during Corona that his father developed this um, chess playing with his son. His mother, Rose, also plays chess. So it's very much a family affair. And um, the um, championships are due to take place this week. And we will certainly be watching that with some interest to see how young Israel does. Only nine years old. It's, I think Amazing. it's a fascinating story. Amazing. All right. Um, uh, yeah. And, so, uh, so unfortunately, yeah. now we need to talk about the events of yesterday in Gaza. Um, so this is a developing story, and the names of 10 IDF soldiers have only just now, in the last hour or so, been released for publication Um, after their families have been advised that they were killed yesterday in Gaza. The day ended yesterday with some really bad news regarding an ambush that was carried out against soldiers from the paratroop division. And there were names of three officers, senior officers in the paratroop division who were killed, two majors and a captain. Um, And those names were what were left on our memories etched on our brains as we went to sleep last night. Those three young men, all senior officers in the paratroop division. But unfortunately, this morning um, has gone from bad to worse with the names of these 10 um, reserve soldiers who were killed yesterday. And we don't have any detail about exactly what happened. What we do know is that many of them come from the Givati Brigade. Um, in fact, uh, quite a number of them out of the 10, something like five 
of them are from the Givati Brigade. Many of the others come from the Karakul Division. So it seems like there were a number of different um, units that were involved in whatever happened. And it's not clear whether all of these young men lost their lives in one particular incident or whether there were a number of different incidents that led to this. But clearly, um, this is a very, very sad moment for us. Um, and and we, we, we mourn not only 10 soldiers, we mourn the name of one soldier each time a name is released for publication. When we see released for publication, we, 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 we try to gird our loins and to get mm. ready for what's coming next. It's not, it's not even that we know so many people who are serving in Gaza. And of course, we all know people who are serving in Gaza. But even these names, which are unknown to us, are heartbreaking. And um, I heard somebody who was asked yesterday by a visitor from abroad, what's happening in Israel? How are you guys doing? What's a regular day look like for you? And the answer that came back was, we're trying to go about our daily lives as normal. We are going to work and we are going to the gym and we are going to restaurants and we're going shopping and we're trying to keep our children entertained and we're taking them to school and to their after school activities. And we're trying to run a daily life, a normal daily life as much as possible. For those families who have husbands, brothers, sons, mothers, daughters doing miluim at the moment and away from home, things are much, much more difficult because obviously it's a set of hands less to help. And of course, it's a gap that's left in the family. And those families are certainly feeling much more the, um, the space that's been left by their family member who's gone to serve in whichever capacity they are, whether they're serving in Gaza or on the front line or doing whatever other job the IDF requires them to be done. And so the answer was that we're trying to do whatever we can to keep the daily routines going, but we constantly feel this black cloud over our heads. We can't seem to get rid of that heavy feeling that all-encompassing encapsulates all of us. There's nobody who can really go about their daily activities as much as we try and run a so-called normal existence. There's nobody who can really do that without this feeling of this cloud that's very, very heavy over us. And on days like today, when we hear the bad news about the number of soldiers that have been killed um, in operations in Gaza, that black cloud just feels a little bit lower on our heads, in fact, perhaps even resting on our shoulders right now um, as we start to understand the magnitude. And um, when I look at the list of names and I see the ages of these people, mm. 23 years old, 37 years old, 25, 27, 29, 22 years old, 23 years old, these are young people in the prime of their lives um, who unfortunately have um, fallen in battle in defense of our country, doing the most holy job that can be done. Um, at any moment in time. And of course, um, our gratitude goes to them and to their families who um, will be mourning them. And we mourn alongside them. There's no doubt that we as a nation mourn each and every one. And it's going to be interesting to see whether this event, which is probably the single largest mm, loss mm, of life mm. in any one day since the start of the war, it's going to be interesting to see whether this starts to increase some pressure from those people who think that we perhaps need to stop or pause um, the war effort um, 
what's quite interesting is that many of the reservists who have been released from Gaza, people who have served on the front line and who are now being released um, to, as a rotation because people need to be rested and mm. all being warned that they are liable to be called back at any moment in time. There is a movement now of reservists who have come out of Gaza and who are active on the civilian lines trying to encourage the government not to stop now. That's the very strongest message coming out from those people who've been on the front line saying, don't stop the war now. This is not a good time to stop. And just alongside that comes a report that says that northern Gaza, which for all intents and purposes is under the idea of control, is now apparently being subject to a much closer investigation for rocket launch sites that were not yet identified, even within that area that is under IDF control, almost entirely under IDF control. And this kind of sends the message that these rocket launch sites are so concealed and so widespread and so easy seemingly just to set up that even in areas which are controlled by the IDF, they might not yet have been discovered. And so, you know, even though we've been told there's something like 7,000 rocket launch sites have already been discovered and destroyed, and the message is that we are far from done in terms of being able to get rid of all the rocket launch sites. And of course, you know, people keep asking, how can it be that even under the current situation with the IDF so active in Gaza, that there are still missiles being launched from Gaza? And the answer is that these rocket launch sites are so widespread and so easy and cheap to construct that it seems just not hardly even an effort to just launch another rocket or another barrage of rockets towards Israel in spite of the IDF's control of Gaza. So that's really the message that we're getting from Gaza right now, along with this loss of life. And of course, our condolences go to the families and we will certainly participate in the grief. This is a very, very heavy day for us. Um, but we can't really afford to stop now in spite of this. Mm, mm. Uh, it's, uh, it, look, more and more, it's, I just would love uh, Benjamin Netanyahu to start writing his resignation speech. Uh, I, I don't think he's, and he needs to make sure that he takes his wife with him. That's uh, sort of, that's my view on this. I just think that that uh, the, the leadership coming from him around this is very, very, uh, Problematic, And I know that it's the most difficult thing to do to lead a nation at a time like this. But but uh, I just uh, I personally don't have the confidence in him. What 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 is the feeling there? Yeah. I mean, do 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 Israelis still have because there was very much the, the thought as as and and I shared this that let him lead during the war and then uh, move over afterwards. But I, I don't feel that anymore. Uh, what's the feeling in Israel? It's, it's, it's a mixed feeling and it's a very tough call to make right now to change government, to change prime minister in the middle of a, a war like this. Um, I, I would say a few things. Um, I agree with you that I think most of Israel said, even those people who very much didn't support him for one reason or another, felt at the start of the war effort that he should be there until it's done and then, pet, and then potentially move over or be moved over, whichever is required. Um, I think that now um, th there are a few issues that have arisen. The first of which is that he's a very, very divisive character. And 
this divisiveness is being felt even within the war cabinet. There seems there are constantly reports of um, real disagreements within the war cabinet, and I think that disagreements are okay, but I think that there is a limit beyond which the public really want, doesn't want to see these disagreements coming out in such a fundamental and such a uh, such a, um, a problematic way. I think ultimately, even if there might be disagreements about the, the next step that needs to be taken in the war, and I think that disagreements are fine and they're probably even quite healthy to have different views being expressed and, and, and support for different aspects and then ultimately coming up with the best out of the bad bunch, whatever that might be, in order to pursue the next activity. But these um, disagreements almost turn, in, turn into recriminations. And that's, I think, where the line is crossed, where, where the disagreements just become a little unmanageable and they're screaming and there's reports about <clears throat> yelling and, and feet stamping in the cabinet room um, and things like that. I don't think that that's necessary. I think that we're all okay for them to disagree. But at the end of the day, when the decision is made, the entire war cabinet, and it's only a small number of people, should be supportive whether they were supporters of that particular view or not. And we just don't feel this unity because of the divisive nature of the prime minister and the way that he likes to, to go about his business. And I think that that's starting to take a toll and people are feeling very, very worn down by that. We've seen also hostage families becoming a lot more aggressive in their approach towards the government. They were camping outside the prime minister's home in, in Kisaria, and they were camping outside the prime minister's residence in Jerusalem. And they took over um, a, a meeting, a committee meeting yesterday in the Knesset with their um, chants and with their placards pleading members of the government to enter into whatever agreement, whatever deal needs to be done in order to release their loved ones from Gaza, whatever needs to be done, they're becoming a lot more aggressive. And I think that that's also taking a toll not only on Israeli society, where people feel that, you know, there is a certain responsibility of the state towards those families to do whatever is possible in order to release those hostages and I think that that toll is also coming to bear on, on, the, on the cabinet. Um, is now the right time, in spite of everything, to change the prime minister out? Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't have a firm view on that. Um, I felt quite strongly in the beginning that it wasn't a good idea. But, Howard, I'm, I'm very much with you in terms of uh, adjusting my opinion a little, um, not quite to the point where I feel it's absolutely clear that he needs to go right now. Um, but I'm certainly open to a discussion about that and to be convinced that maybe it might serve us well to have a change of leadership. Um, and it's only from my point of view because of the divisiveness. I don't mm -hmm. like this divisive style of leadership. I think now is when we need unity even if we can't all agree on every step that needs to be taken, we somehow need to support it when it's being done. And that's certainly a message that's coming from our um, ba you know, battle-scarred soldiers coming out of Gaza. They're coming out saying, we are unified in Gaza. Please make sure you're unified on the home front too, including in the government and in the Knesset, everywhere. We need to have a unified approach even if we have a little disagreements and those disagreements are okay. 
That is a where we leave it. Anthony Reich, thank you. As always, I know not an uplifting, aside from one story, uh, Israel report, but it is what it is. We are reporting during a war, and uh, unfortunately there are days like this. It's 8 o'clock. I'm Howard Feldman. Good morning. That Israel report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Tzahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Yeah.